Welcome aboard another great episode of Sing Second Sports. I am your host, John Schofield, uh, Villanova class of 96, yuck. And uh, joining me as always is Ward Carroll, uh, class of 82 at the U.S. Naval Academy. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Backseat, Wizzo, great golfer. Wizzo, uh, negative, ghostwriter. I'm a Rio, <laughs> goddammit. And our special guest, as always, Bill Wagner. First of all, um, I, I'm not even going to, I won't belabor the point too much, but last night we had a little celebration of life for uh, Jack Schofield, um, you know, University of Maryland, um, goalie, all around great dude, you know, phenomenal flirter with, uh, with waitresses at uh, Carpaccio, Wags was there. His article was, you know, basically the impetus by which we uh, I wish we had the uh, celebration of life. So thank you again, Wags, for, for writing such an amazing tribute to my dad and for being there last night. It was an awesome event. Let's kick it off. Uh, we'll get to the shit show here in a minute. And I'm going to call it a shit show. I, I really was disappointed with the 37-21 loss to Houston. But first of all, right before the Houston game kicked off, there was some pretty big news that came down. Having spent a glorious semester at Army and having seen uh, Mikey Stadium with my own eyes and seen how cold it gets in there, the fact that we're probably or now definitely playing the Army-Navy game in Mikey Stadium on December 12th um, leaves us with a lot of discussion points. So, Wags, without any further ado, what what do you know of the machinations that went into this? Were there other places that were considered... Is Army going to give us a home game back in the future? How, how is this going to go? The, here's the situation with Army-Navy. Um, n- you couldn't make any money in Philadelphia. That's the number one thing. Uh, you can talk about current Pennsylvania guidelines and city of Philadelphia guidelines for in-person stadiums is somewhere in the range of 9,000-plus total in the stadium, and that includes the players, coaches, support staff. That wasn't going to work. You can't have the brigade of midshipmen, Corps of Cadets, and all those others that need to be there and hold to that number. Now, who knows? That number could have changed by early December when the game is held. Really, what it came down to is Philadelphia can't make any money when nobody's coming to town to eat, drink, and be merry and spend money. And so Philadelphia couldn't find a number that worked for the two service academies. So. That's why we're going to Mikey Stadium at West Point. And, you know, people say, well, how, do, how is that decided? Well, it's Army's home game. Uh, it's a technicality when you're playing neutral site almost, well, obviously every year is a neutral site pretty much. Um, and so it's a technicality as to who is the home team. And it really comes down to game management, who's responsible for this and that. But in this year, it means a lot because that means Army gets the game at Mikey Stadium. Now, it won't be a home field advantage because the only people in the stands at Mikey Stadium will be the Corps of Cadets and the Brigade of Midshipmen, which are of equal volume. So uh, it'll be a home field advantage as far as the actual playing surface is concerned, but not so with regard to the fans in the stands and the noise, etc. And Chet Gladchuck said that if indeed 
uh, civilian fans are allowed at a later date. Uh, the tickets will be distributed equally. Um, and answering our intrepid producer, Chris Cervello's question on the chat regarding money and how it's distributed, at this point, the only money being made is from television, which is substantial, but it's nowhere near what the city of Philadelphia pays to have the game at Lincoln Financial Field. So it's going to be a huge financial hit for both Army, West Point, and Navy. But the revenue will be, the television revenue will be split equally, but there'll be no additional revenue because it's on the campus of Army and there, there's going to be no ticket sales and there's no, you know, really the big money comes from the city that's hosting the game. They pay big bucks to bring Army-Navy to their city and that, that's gone. Yeah, because Highland Falls, New York is a happening town. Um, they, they'll really be killing it up there for this game. Um, just, for our, uh, just for our listeners out there who are into nerdy trivia, uh, Mikey Stadium, as I'm remembering my own form of reef points back in the day, um, is, it's an outdoor stadium, 38,000 capacity, can fit a few more in there. It's right on the upper portion of campus, right next to what's called Lusk Reservoir, which is a super neat venue. It's really pretty, but holy shit, in, in November and December, does it get cold up there? So that game is going to get very, very cold. Uh, Mikey is named in the memory of Dennis Mikey, who was one of the first uh, contributors to the football program. He was class of 1892. He organized, managed, and coached the first football team at West Point in 1890. And then a lot of people know that the field is actually named Blake Field in honor of Red Blake, who was the head coach at West Point from 1941 to 1958. Now, when Red Blake was there, that was the last time the Army-Navy game was played at Mikey Stadium, which I believe was 1943, or Ward Carroll's plebe year at the Naval Academy. So, Ward, what is your take on playing it at Mikey Stadium and if they need like, you know, like sticks people up there, you know, could you possibly run the sticks at Mikey despite the fact that it's Army's home game? You better dress warm. Class of 82 Chain Gang is up for any gig that we're booked. Um, and we've worked bad weather at Army-Navy. So if they need us, we're there. The other thing about this game or that game that you just cited in the, uh, the annals of history is obviously during World War II, half of the Corps of Cadets were earmarked to root for Navy. Um, so the brigade didn't go up there. Um, and so they were made to learn Navy fight songs and all kinds of stuff. So the trivia is even more amazing than, than just the fact that it was played at West Point. Um, so I just think we're in a matrix where either we're playing the game or we're not. And the fact we're playing the game is fantastic. You know, we've discussed, so does this mean that we'll play it at, at Navy Marine Corps Memorial next year? And I think the mitigator is that it's the 20th anniversary of 9-11, and it's supposed to be played in New York. I don't know if that means the uh, Giants, Jets, East Rutherford. I, I'm not totally loving the idea that it's not a neutral venue. Army's looks pretty good this year. Um, we'll talk about Navy when we do the debrief of the Houston game, but at least the game's being played. So. Bravo. Well, and yeah, I'll answer the question that John asked originally and that Ward just, you know, kind of uh, uh, dovetailed on was, no, they're not playing in Annapolis next year to make it even. That is what happened during World War II. 
back-to-back games where one was at Naval Academy on the campus of the Naval Academy in Annapolis, and then they went up to West Point. So in back-to-back years during World War II, they played on the campuses. And this is the only time in our lifetimes that this will ever happen. They will be at the Meadow, the new Meadowlands, whatever they're calling that now, uh, next year. It's the, as Ward mentioned, it's the celebration of 9-11 commemorating. There's all sorts of plans in the work. They're going to have the Friday night Army-Navy gala out on uh, Ellis Island. So, no, uh, I I mentioned that to Chet, and he's like, let's hope that this is a one-off and there is no return game, and he meant it. Uh, So that's the answer there, John. I I think it's going to be very neat, and and I hope that CBS like throws everything behind this, like the uniqueness of it. Now, not that I'm complaining about Ian Eagle and Gary Danielson or whoever CBS usually throws at it. I remember going to the Army Navy Gala every year with Slapshot and uh, and um, Vern Lundquist would be at the gala. <laughs> it was so fun chatting up Big Vern. Um, and, and I mean, I, I can't say yes, sir, enough times on this podcast to, to ask. Yeah, Vern knows how to party, right? Vern, Vern could absolutely get after it with all due respect to the man. He made me look like a Mormon teetotaler, uh, which I'm <laughs> most certainly not. So, yeah, I think it'll be neat. Mikey Stadium is a, is a great venue. In fact, right around now is the best time to see Mikey because the leaves are changing. It's tucked right up there in the mountain. It's just a really neat venue. Now, West Point in and of itself, the rest of the campus, I hate it. It's always gray. It's always misting. It's, it's horrible. But um, yeah, I think we know now that why I was kicked out. I wasn't really a huge fan. So with that in mind, let's, let's segue into uh, the relevant topic of the day. And that is Saturday's game against Houston. Um, the game ended 37 to 21. Uh, Navy was outscored 21 to eight in the second half. And really talking to coach Neumont today on his presser, he really pointed toward halftime as where the, the, the tide really turned, um, and was upset at, you know, not being able to score, uh, before the end of the half, they were getting the kickoff in the second half. He pointed to that as the real as as the real uh, tide turner. So, so Ward, from your perspective on the ground, how how did that seem toward the end of the half, and and where did you see the game turning? The tide turned for me when we missed the field goal in the third quarter. That was absolutely when the air came out of the balloon, um, and I don't think you can overstate how. Never mind seven points not on the board and. And uh, Chris not making the spread, but just each one of those was a, an additional belly blow. Um, and I, I just saw, you could see the body language and I was on the visiting sideline working the chains and they just, they just buoyed at that point. And I think Navy just sort of said, yeah, we're faking it. We can't win this thing. And that was it. You know, and I think the game at that point was still pretty close, right? I mean, it was at 16-13. As you just said, uh, Wags, we were outscored in the second half 20, or maybe, John, you just said 21-8, to eight, right? Was that the stat you just said, right? So um, I think that was the turn. I don't know what the coach is talking about with halftime. I don't know. We left the field. It was a three-point game. Well, I think jumping in here real quick, what Coach Niamatololo was disappointed about is they had gotten a turnover – in Houston territory, 
and it should have resulted in points of some sort. Um, you know, three or, or a touchdown, and it was like a double whammy. Not only did Navy not get any points itself, but the drive was so short, it took no time off the clock, and they punted and gave the ball back to Houston with 2.20 left on the clock, and Houston ran, went down and scored a touchdown. There was a play in which Dalen did an option keeper, and then he decided to pitch after he got past the line of scrimmage, he gained about four yards himself, and then a defender confronted him, and he decided to pitch to C.J. Williams. C.J. was way behind him when Dalen delivered the pitch, but that doesn't matter, actually. It matters, is the pitch forward? Is it parallel, or is it behind? The officials ruled it a forward pass. They disallowed that play, which was a big gain, which probably would have put Navy in field goal territory at that point. Um, so not only was play disallowed, but then there was penalty yardage assessed. And next thing you know, poof, the drive is over. And I think that's the play that Coach Niamatololo was discussing. So this is more the big takeaway is Daling's execution of the triple option, right? And this is one of the keys to the game. And I entreat the listener to read Wags's postgame article because he nails it, as usual, with all of the takeaways. But going into the game, we listed – or I, I listed three things as the keys, which is linebackers, execution of the option, and the dive game. None of those things happened to any effect. Dalen's exec- and as he pointed out in the last podcast, Dalen's execution of the triple option is a, uh, a concern, right? Um, his footwork is, is a little, little awkward slash clumsy. Um, it takes him a long time to get to the edge. You know, again, Wags pointed out that we had a passing game, but I will tell you from seeing it at close range, there were a few passes that were thrown up with his, he could not see where he was throwing it because the rush was on and, and he threw it just sort of in the blind. Um, and uh, we had some big gains and there was, that was the one sort of highlight was those, those long pass plays. Um, but in terms of the triple option and, Again, Wag said in the article that coach is like, no, we do the triple option. We're not going to some sort of hybrid offense now. Um, but if that's the case, then we got – we have a quarterback controversy, right? So um, the other thing about the atmospherics, the mids were totally not into it. Um, you know, so whatever they brought that we celebrated during the Temple game was gone. And as I looked up um, early in the third quarter – it was heads down, everybody's looking at their phones, and, and it was just crickets, right? So whatever they brought on 12th man wasn't happening, and it's probably a function of, of uh, what was going on in the field. Another thing, when the blue crab does not win, we don't win the game. Okay, Every time the <laughs> blue crab science. wins, we win. That's yeah, you get, get this everything you that do. you don't get on any other podcast. No, is also blue crab level. Also, uh, and that, you can check that out. If the blue crab wins, we win, and it happened at Temple. So the other thing, Bongo Cam and the Carlton Cam suck. This is lame. So I don't know who's programming that, but it's just not working. the The moving football helmet shuffle is is great, and obviously the crab. A race is always signature, um, but the bongo cam and the Carlton cam are, are lame. 
So, so Ward has fired now a shot at at Chris Whitaker, Morgan Thaler, who runs the uh, who runs the entertainment. So the next time you're down there, and Greg Morgan Thaler, who I affectionately call Coach Greg Morgan Thaler, because he's on TV more than Coach Niamat is, uh, when he destroys you, <laughs> it's because you were criticizing Chris's quality of stuff. I can see by the I'm rolling the customer. Of the- <laughs> I'm the customer. Okay, so if they cannot take honest feedback. <laughs> they got to do a. They got to do an adjustment. No, I thing, love it. Okay, so also Dana Holgerson is something to watch, um, and 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 so intensity like you like you read about, um, and so we had him throwing his headset in the first half, not so much in the second half. By the end, he was super chill and high fiving his players, and and so uh, you know the the momentum and his attitude shifted accordingly. You spoke earlier about gorgeous, gorgeous hair and an amazing beard. On that note, joining us with an with an amazing beard and gorgeous hair is class of 2016 graduate Gavin Jernigan. Uh, Gavin is now a captain in the U.S. Marine Corps. He is an F-18 uh, backseater or WIZO, um, kind of awaiting some flying action down in uh, South Carolina. Huge, huge friend of the pod. One of my favorite people uh, when I was the PAO there, Gavin and I would often chat it up on the uh, sidelines as I was pretending to PAO it. And Gavin was, I don't know, punting or kicking things. You, you were doing a great many things. But, you know, welcoming in uh, Gavin as our guest breakdown analyst today of the Houston game. Gavin, how are you doing? Tell the listeners about a little bit about what you've done since graduation and what you're doing now. Hey, John, thank you all for uh, allowing me to speak on the podcast. I uh, was probably pretending to punt and actually PAOing while John was doing the opposite. Since graduation, went to TBS, the standard uh, Marine Corps route, went down to T- uh, Pensacola, did a little bit of flight school, uh, designated naval fly officer out to San Diego to the FRS, you know, F-18 Marine Corps, F-18 FRS, and then out to Buford, South Carolina now. Gavin was a four-year member of the uh, Naval Academy football team. Yeah, this is an awesome stat in the, uh, in the Navy sports annals here. But 2012-2013, uh, uh, backing up Pablo Beltran, who's been on the pod before. Great guy. We love punters here. But in 2014, you made your collegiate debut uh, in Navy's win over BMI. You only punted once. What was, the, what was the distance on your one punt? This is a phenomenal stat. I don't know. It's pretty, is it pretty long? Is that what it says? Oh, you shut up. You absolutely know. It's 56 yards. Like you, you boomed one 56 yards against VMI. Uh, so, you know, welcome to the jungle. You know, you're, you're just, you're just killing it. So what was it like being a part of that team? And again, you're part of a very special team or four teams that never lost to army. You know, you had a very successful run. Uh, what what was it like, and how did your experience on the team arm you with the leadership tools that you needed to be number one a successful aviator, number two a successful marine? Uh, I must have blacked out for that that punt that you're referring to, so uh, that's why I didn't remember. But it was a good experience being on the team. Uh, I had a uh, obviously working being the same class uh, as Keenan Reynolds. I was uh, grateful for him because uh, we all benefited for his performance. Um, I was also grateful for Pablo being a great mentor to me. Um, uh, just kind of keeping it real with me a lot of time because when you come from high school and a lot of other players who come as freshmen, you know, they expect to be one of the best people. They expect to be starting. They expect to be playing and involved. And you quickly realize 
that I learned very quickly that it's much, very much a business in college football because uh, I was told I'm going to go to Ireland and travel and play against Notre Dame for that first game, and I was excited, got my passport, did the whole shebang. Like a week before, uh, Justin Hahn, the guy who was uh, supposed to be maybe third string, I don't know, he, um, he kind of came back from mission trips, so he was in a weird position, crushed it at one of the scrimmages and took my second, not my second string spot, took the second string spot, and I was devastated, you know, because I, I was at that time, I was 17 years old, coming straight from high school, fresh out of plebe summer, don't know nothing, and uh, so it was tough. So you learn, and I, I knew I was going to be backing up Pablo because – he was a well-known high school, uh, coming out of high school, very high-ranked punter um, and very talented, and that was very clear. So I wasn't expecting him to come to start or anything, but you really learn some adversity. You learn uh, what it's like to be a supporting member of the team. You learn to find a way that you can push each other and play a role on the team and, and kind of uh, maybe a little bit more that I took being a backup to him for many years, uh, kind of find other ways to be involved, make the team look good, be involved in the, the brigade and stuff like that. So John read Gavin's bio, and he failed to mention that he's tried to jump into my business as a sports writer. He was doing some work with SB Nation, and uh, in fact, I remember we were together at the uh, Navy at Central Florida game. You were in the press box uh, next to me in the press box, and then uh, he actually beat me on a story. He broke a story about, I think, a transfer. You had a transfer story, and I got salty because I'm like, man... Jernigan's tapping into his former teammates or telling them information, inside information. And I was, I was pissed. I got salty and tried to call him out. But it turns out that wasn't how he got the information. So, But, yes, Gavin, are you still doing any of that SB Nation work? Yep. I wrote the, the previews or the previews for maybe one or two of the games this year and then one of the uh, – or two, I guess two or three of the recaps for this year. I didn't write it from this last game. Um, but – it's kind of like a hobby. Uh, and I, I, I say that with reservation because I have tons of respect for your profession and I understand the state of uh, newspaper writing and how critical it is. And uh, by no means am I uh, attempting to push into your business. However, it was just something that uh, while I had a downtime in flight school, my friend was like, hey, you should pick up this writing thing. And then it kind of evolved and whatever. But uh, so I just wanted you to know that, uh, that I did not st- – talk to current players for that information because Scott Strassmark came in my head before you did. And I was like, Whoa, Scott, like I didn't do anything, man. Like you're just mad. I beat you in, in uh, fantasy the past couple of years. But uh, <laughs> I was like, no, nah, I didn't do anything wrong. I swear. So, well, no, I think it's cool and you're doing a good job. And you, you think you're going to keep up with doing that, the writing? Uh, I'm not, I will probably continue to do it as a hobby. And if in case it like impedes on my uh, normal job, I guess you could say, but um, I don't think I'm really going to make it too much of a profession long term. It's just kind of something that I, I enjoy doing. I like writing. It uh, keeps my writing skills up. It's because Marine Corps writing is a little different. Um, but uh, I do have slightly different aspirations in sports uh, post-military career that don't necessarily involve reporting or writing. Gavin, why don't you kind of tell us you know, what's next for you, where you're headed, and then also, since you are a reporter, covering Navy football. Tell us what you think about the program and what's going on this season because it's been quite the roller coaster season. Career plans are yet to be seen. We'll see what uh, see what the Marine Corps offers me, what opportunities are afforded. But um, so I guess that's, that's open. Um, but for the program, I think it's tough. Uh, I think that it's kind of 
Navy's kind of in a uh, talent drought, and I don't mean to say that with any disrespect to any of the players, but it's more just so that, you know, you kind of go up and down and up and down, and it takes a little while, as we see with the offense, that you need someone who's pretty involved uh, and builds a, a comfort level, uh, as we've talked about, under center, running the offense, as well as the offensive line, which is where I really see the issue this year, um, because it's not – as you watch, the way I really noticed that was the Air Force game. The Air Force uh, quarterback, his name's eluding me right now, but it was his first game ever playing. He was a sophomore, had some injuries the year before, and he had no problem running through wide-open holes. He had wide-open holes where Tyler, who was starting for the first game, that was his first opportunity to play. And if he would have had open holes, he would have been very successful as well. And so – the issue is just being able to consistently create a team that has a strong depth and be able to uh, build along as opposed to just having a full, full of offensive, full of seniors. And then a one that's just lost, right. And have Malcolm play for two years or so, and then just completely gone. Um, so that's really the, the tough part of the program. And as people transfer the, the amount of people who are transferring the opportunities that they think they can transfer, et cetera, coaches leaving, coaching's coming and just making the tough where we talked about my four years, we had very few transfers and we had uh, very little changes on the coaching staff, which made us have the opportunity to be successful uh, over our four years that when I was playing. Um, all right. Hey, um, awesome conversation with Gavin Jernigan, captain uh, Gavin Jernigan, um, friend of the pod, friend of the program, member of the brotherhood, and we wish you the very best of luck as you go out there and, and you do good things as a member of the uh, Marine Corps aviation community. Any final, any final thoughts, Gavin, or a pick against SMU? Uh, I appreciate you guys having me on. Uh, I've had a great time chatting with you guys. Of course, got to go with Navy. However, it's going to be a close one naturally uh, against SMU, who is a very talented team. So that's my pick. I like it. Well, many thanks to Gavin. Uh, thank you for bringing a smile to Ward Carroll's face as a uh, fixed wing aviation backseater. Um, he loves those things. And, and again, thank you for being a member of the Brotherhood and a great member um, you know, of the Naval Academy alumni. Um, you know, we'll continue to look for good things out of you, and we look forward to having you on the pod in the future. Right on. See you guys soon. All right. Thanks, Gavin. Um, so let us take this out. Um, we'll do another SMU preview show uh, before the game kicks on Saturday, and we'll try to get you some good stuff um, through the Navy press conferences this week. You know, Wags, do you have anything before we, you know, do you think any kind of breaking news happens this week? We were able to announce beginning of basketball season last week. Now we have an Army-Navy game venue um up at mikey yeah what, what do you think the next sports shoe will will be and you know to drop here coming forward you know because we've heard a lot we've heard a lot of stuff about sports being cut staffs being cut it's happened to a lot of schools out there have you heard any rumblings about that or about anything else um no well i mean as it relates to navy i haven't heard anything about cuts due to finances um there will be a breaking story this week I cannot reveal it at this moment, but uh, yeah, there's a Navy football team is going to lose a, a member of the squad that has been, a, you know, a good a key contributor. He's going to uh, hang up the cleats and I'll have that story this week and we can talk about it on the SMU preview. My last thoughts are I'm a little concerned, John. I mean, 
six games into the season and the offense just still doesn't look right. And uh, I don't mean to reread my column that I wrote, but it's just that, you know, normally Ivan Jasper and Kenny Matalolo have fixed whatever offensive issues have, you know, come up. That, that doesn't usually take six games into the season. So, you know, Gavin referenced the offensive line. Yeah, it's been – they had a couple good performances versus Temple in East Carolina, but the, he's right. They got beaten badly up front by Houston's defense. Um, but that said, we go back to the triple option execution. It's just not there. And Chris Cervello, we've talked about this ad nauseum this entire season that the triple option just is not clicking on all cylinders and running the way we know it should. And that concerns me because at this point, I'm not quite sure if it's going to get fixed. I mean, we're six games into the season. Yeah, it's, it's broken. It's not, it isn't what it should be. It's not what we're used to. And, and every once in a while, I kind of feel like we are, like we're spoiled. Like we're just used to seeing this well-oiled machine. Like there shouldn't be problems. There shouldn't be turnovers. There shouldn't be bumps in the road. Is this a Navy fan base now that is becoming just too spoiled by the success award? Yeah, I think there's some of that. Um, but I think Wags's concerns are valid. Um, we're just not seeing the coalesce process that we normally see at this point. At the same time, because this team has proved to be sort of schizophrenic, I, I'm not ready to say that the season's lost. I mean, they could come out and find the special sauce sometime this week and, and, and really click against SMU. I, I don't think that'll happen, but it could. You know, and and I was just the, as we've said a couple of games ago, the cadence, the meter, the execution just wasn't there. It's it's actually kind of painful to watch, um, the the how, how Dalen's currently running the offense, um, and and that's not a knock on him as uh, you know as a great mid and future naval officer. It, it, it's it's just it's not happening. Good passing game, but as Coach said in Wags's article, that's not what we do. Um, so we're not going to retool it midseason. And then the question is naturally introduced, so do we have a quarterback controversy afoot? I guess we'll see. I'm going to kick it over to Chris here. Chris and I talked about it on Saturday uh, when we Instagram lived after the game that is this the time, Chris, I'm going to ask you to – well, I think you had another point to make, but I'm going to ask you this question – is this the time that we start planning for next year? You know, and, and, and I, and I really say that with a lot of caveats, like I'm not trying to give up on this year. I'm not trying to do the whole, Hey, COVID has placed a gigantic asterisk on, on all sports this year. But do you now start saying, all right, well, Dalen's great. And he threw for two Oh six and, and we love him to death. He's a great mid but do we start to get ready for next season with a quarterback who's going to be with the program next season? What say you on that? I think the answer is yes. Um, from from where I from where I sit, there, there's either one or two problems are occurring. Either a um, the coaching staff is not calling the right plays at the right time, um, and and tied to that is not preparing these guys to run the triple option effectively, or b they don't have the the right personnel to run it the way that we are uh, used to seeing it. Um, 
and I'm okay with both. I, I mean, I, I, I don't expect that every year will be perfect, but if the answer is the, the latter, if the answer is that, you know, Dalen is not the guy to run the triple option as coached and as briefed during practice, um, we are not going to win the commander in chief's trophy, uh, at least not outright. Um, it doesn't look like we're going to win the, um, the American athletic conference. So what we have left is, uh, you know, in terms of goals is to have a winning record and to beat army, um, and, and then to prepare for next year. And so I'd like to see some of the other quarterbacks so that we can continue to work that triple option so that we can build for next year. I still want to beat army. Um, and, uh, let, let's bring somebody in, get them ready for army, but also get them ready for next year. That's where my head is. I really do think that the time is now to plan for next year. Um, obviously, beating Army is now priority number one. Priority number two, I think, is having a team that competes for the uh, competes for the uh, American Athletic Association title next um, American Athletic Conference uh, title next year. So we'll we'll see. Um, all right. Well, uh, Wags, any final any final thoughts before we take it out? Well, you know, it's uh, out of the fire. What is, what is the term? I mean, words the wordsmith uh, into the, out of the fire, out, out of the frying pan, into, into the fire. Right. <laughs> oh, oh, that's the other one. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. I mean, you're going number twenty-two SMU on the road. I mean, SMU's legit. I uh, was just working on the little pre- preview story I do for uh, on Mondays, based off the press conferences with Coach Niamatololo and. Sonny Dykes, the SMU coach, had a presser. And, I mean, this team's averaging almost 38 points a game, close to 500 yards a game. I mean, so it, once again, a team that you're probably going to have to put up some points to beat. So the offense better get better in a hurry because SMU is legit. They were ranked 15th now. They, they got beaten pretty soundly by Cincinnati, and I think you're going to find Cincinnati is going to be the top group of five program at the end of the year. Uh, right now, they're ranked seventh in the nation and are legitimately threatening to be part of the college football playoff. A group of five schools never made the college football playoff. It'd be a real long shot for it to happen. But Cincinnati is legit, and they handled SMU, held them to uh, 14 points, which was shocking. But, yeah, no, this next game, John, and we'll talk more in depth about it later in the week, on our second pod, but uh, it doesn't get any easier for the midshipmen. No, I was saying weeks ago that, you know, after all of the cancellations and pushbacks and stuff like that, that, you know, you, you, look, at the, you look at the schedule and they were going nonstop um, from now until, until Thanksgiving. So, um, again, as, as an old guy with, with great sports references, I'm really pumped to see Shane Buchel play. Um, I mean, I've watched him, you know, in previous years, but again, the son of an old Texas Rangers third baseman, I had Steve Buchel's baseball card, I think in the 1987 top set, which was phenomenal. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll be looking forward to that game. We'll be looking forward to Navy bouncing back. And I think what you can say about Nehemiah coach teams is that they do bounce back. So we'll bring you a preview show uh, later in the week. We'll try to post this as soon as possible but we really appreciate everyone sticking with us. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll bring you uh, more pregame pods and postgame Instagram lives. Uh, our intrepid producer, Chris Cervello, and I will bring that to you live from Palm Coast, Florida, next iteration where 
I plan on being sunburnt. So for Gavin Jernigan, our special guest, so good to see him. Good luck as you continue your Marine Corps aviation career. For Bill Wagner, who continues to write great things. And Ward Carroll, expert golfer, fantastic member of the class of 82, and apparently tonight a closeted L.A. Dodgers fan. That's disgusting. Take the hat off. Closeted? I worked in L.A., man. I'm legit. I worked in Hollywood. Yeah, that definitely sounds like a good reason. So, um, and for Chris Cervello, I am John Schofield. This is Sing Second Sports. Until the next pod, we are out. The thoughts and opinions expressed on this pod are our own and don't represent the views of the Naval Academy Athletic Association, the United States Naval Academy, or any organization for that matter. Play-by-play calls from the Navy Radio Network are used in the opening of the show and from time to time will be part of podcast segments.